This is the official podcast of the Pedal Silk Road Mountain Race Edition 2. This is the voice of Stefano, aka Calamaro, and the track that you're gonna listen is from Bonus Points. The name of it is Super Touch. Hello everybody and welcome to the official podcast of the Pedal Silk Road Monte Race Edition 2, number 2. I'm Stefano and I'm gonna be your host for this season, for this second edition of one of the most challenging, remote, beautiful and tough unsupported bicycle race of the world, in this case, of 2019. You probably recognize already my voice. I am the one that usually speaks with people around the world with this podcast, The Broom Vagon. But it's not talking about me that is gonna be today, but it's talking about the best, most challenging... I already said all these kind of things, but this amazing race, the Pedal Silk Road Monte Race, that this year arrived to the edition number two. I'm not gonna talk about the race at the moment, I'm gonna talk a bit more about what this podcast is gonna be. It's just gonna be a walk together with you into the Kyrgyzstan roads, Kyrgyzstan people, uh, Silk Road Mountain Race participants, organizers, main characters. It's gonna be a lot of fun, yes. Mainly it's gonna be a real lot of fun. So I would say that roughly, uh, yeah, just take advantage of this because it's gonna be exactly like this. It's gonna be something pretty rough, but more or less I plan to have around 10 episodes. Four preliminary episodes where we are gonna talk with people that are gonna be involved in the race and six episodes that are gonna be on the ground. But you're gonna discover a bit more these things week over week. Yes, because this podcast is gonna be a weekly one. So be sure to be tuned every Tuesday, since today, at around 12.30 Central Europe time. And from there we are gonna arrive till the for the... Okay, I have my flight the 15th. So yes, the 15th of August. So I would say that the first episode is gonna go live around the 16th night. From the 16th on, you're gonna also listen to the episode on the ground. But be sure of being connected with everything related to the Silk Road Mountain Race because I'm not gonna be the only news stream that you're gonna receive usually. But we are gonna talk about this at the end. At the moment, I just want to tell you that this episode is gonna be, obviously, the episode with the real host of the event. I'm talking about Nelson, Nelson Trees. He was already interviewed on this podcast in the first edition of the Silk Road Monterey's podcast. Uh, just to explain a bit more the project, he was also on my personal podcast on the Broom Wagon last year. Uh, more or less in the same period, I would say. Today we are not gonna talk about him or whatever, you know everything about him already, but we are gonna talk about a bit of retrospective of what was last year's Silk Road Monterey's Edition 1 and what is gonna be the Silk Road Monterey's Edition 2. Stop talking from me right now, just go together and listen to the interview and be sure to be here at the end of the episode because I have to give you all the coordinates to follow at his best, the Silk Road Monterey's edition 2. Later! Hello everybody to this first episode of the Pedal Silk Road Monterey's podcast. I hope that I spelled it correctly, otherwise I have a really really good backup and person that I'm gonna talk with here today. I'm talking with Nelson, Nelson Tris, the organizer, race director, uh, main mind behind the race. Hi Nelson, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Well, well, not bad. And pretty, pretty excited to, that we are gonna that we partner. I don't know how to spell this one. It's really complicated today. That we did partner up for making this piece of content happen today, this year. And yeah, I'm super happy to work with you. And actually, I'm looking forward to meet you in Kyrgyzstan pretty soon. Are you in Kyrgyzstan right now? I'm in Kyrgyzstan right now. I'm uh, suffering in the heat of Bishkek. It's uh... 
39 degrees today. No way! <laughs> Don't tell me that. Is it gonna stay like this <laughs> in August? Uh, yeah, probably be the same, if not worse. <laughs> mm -hmm. okay. No, it can't. It doesn't get much above 40 degrees, but um, yeah, it'll be hot. But then we'll get in the mountains and then it'll be fine. Exactly, exactly. It's going to be in the mountains. So for sure in my luggage, I don't have to miss my flip-flops then and shorts and sleeveless t-shirts. Yeah, definitely t-shirt and shorts will be mostly what you'll be wearing. And then you can also face a bit of snow, sleet, rain, a bit of everything up in the mountains though. So yeah, need to pack for all kinds of weather <laughs> okay don't but generally about... hot yes it's gonna be hot that's gonna be fine and it's not gonna be uh the sea where to swim but probably we're gonna find some lakes around don't we there's no no there's the, the finish line will have a nice place to swim we were we were there this weekend actually in uh Isikul. it's a huge lake and we'll finish the beach so there'll be some swimming involved cool prepare the beers for dan then Yep, yep, yep. We have a good supply of uh, cold beers at the finish line for sure. <laughs> can't wait, can't wait. So yeah, man, and super, super happy, as I would say, that we are going to have this talk today. So this is going to be mostly kind of, I will not, so just this is really an uh, announcement and a thing that I can say to everybody out there. Don't take anything as of this podcast super structure or institutional. It's going to be a lot of chat with a lot of people that are making this race, the Pedaled Silk Road Mountain Race Edition 2, so special and that made the first edition of it so special. So it's going to be something like uh, trying to understand a bit more the spirit of people that are behind the race and the race itself. So don't expect that today we are going to have a, structure, a structured talk and so structured. But anyways, we're going to touch a couple of topics that are, be, that are going to be pretty, pretty interesting. For example, Nelson, I remember then uh, last year we also have a talk um, uh, in my podcast and I asked you to present the edition number one of the Pedal Silk Road Mountain Race. And after that, I've seen that it was a great, great, great success, a great blast. Everybody talked about this race. But if you want to give us something like a recap or highlights of the edition number one, how everything happened out there and how did you feel during the race, after the race? Which one were actually something like a small summary description of what happened last year? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, to just come up with a, with a summary of everything that happened. I think it was, yeah, it turned out pretty smooth in the end but uh it was probably one of the most stressful things i've, I've ever had to uh, be involved with is <laughs> <laughs> i talked to other events organizers before the race and um they were saying yeah man you just you know two weeks with very little sleep and you're going to be rushing from thing to thing and it's just going to be this super intense experience and i was just thinking like actually what's what possibly could be happening that i'm going to be sleeping two hours a day you know this is this, i can't imagine this but um yeah it was it was basically like that it was very very intense <laughs> super stressful because it was the first edition there was a lot of unknowns all kinds of things that could go wrong and uh in the end it's it turned out pretty well i think uh, we, we, we were very happy with it but uh it took me a little while it still nonetheless took me a while to actually decide whether i was going to do it again really? <laughs> despite the yeah despite it being overall successful it was sort of after the first couple of days i was thinking i'm not entirely sure if we should ever do this again but uh <laughs> Gradually, my, my, I changed my mind, and uh, a few weeks afterwards, I was like, no, you know, with sort of looking back on it with a bit of rosy-tinted uh, hindsight, I was thinking, yeah, that was, it was not so bad, let's, uh, let's have another run at least. But yeah, it was just, yeah, super stressful. Yes, 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 okay, yeah, but yeah, the point is that I wanted to put something a bit in a context uh, out there, so you said that it was one of the most stressful things that you have, you have ever done in your life. Actually, I want to remember how many times and how many unsupported races, bike races, have you done? Or oh, so, yeah, there's there's a big difference between taking uh -huh. part in one of these races and organizing it. And I've now learned that organizing is far more stressful than doing it. Like, give me a, a long distance unsupported race to do myself any day. Um, no, I've done the the transcontinental three times, finished it twice, mm -hmm. uh, the Highland Trail fifty, a couple, Highland Trail five fifty, uh, a couple of times as well. Yeah. So I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I know this. What these kinds of races are all about. But uh, definitely easier doing it, despite the hardships, lack of sleep, and all the rest of it, than uh, than organizing. It's. I don't know. It's more of a responsibility. Ah, I'm okay. fine with doing things. It's doing everything yourself and whatever dangers you're fine with. But it's. Um, 
it's being responsible for other people in potentially serious situations. I mean, Kyrgyzstan, the mountains are big and serious, and I was a person who sort of launched this whole thing, and you see all these people taking on these challenges, and you, you just want to make sure that everyone gets through it safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see completely the point, because actually at the beginning, when you were um, describing it, it's going to be 15 days with just a few hours of sleeping, uh, going through a lot of unknown situations or whatever. It looks like exactly like an unsupported race, but you're right. Responsibility is kind of different thing, because when you're racing, you are actually responsible by yourself, for yourself. Exactly. And your equipment, And there are, there are risks that I'm willing to undertake for myself that, that, I wouldn't, that I wouldn't be willing to put other people through or to be responsible for. So that's why we, we, took, we take security seriously and we do a lot of things to, to mitigate those risks and, and reduce them to the absolute minimum possible. But there's, there's still an inherent risk of going in mountains where you're crossing 4,000-meter passes and there's just lots of unknowns that you, can't, you just can't eliminate. So it's still very stressful, and uh, we're keeping a close eye on the darts and making sure everyone, you know, when we have people not moving and we have loved ones starting to get worried, there's uh, there's a lot of stress involved in that. <laughs> yeah, so I think that another parallel that I want to do, uh, you were say, we were saying, uh, when you're participating to um, an unsupported bike race or whatever, you know that you can go through a lot of unknown, you can sleep just a few hours and blah, 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 but actually you have always something in mind. If something goes completely wrong, you have a number to call and somebody would come, will come and rescue you. When you're organizing a yeah. race, you're on the other side of the phone. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And in Kyrgyzstan, so in many other races, they have the luxury of, the, um, of just being able to use the normal um, emergency services. So if you were organizing this in France or wherever, you know, you'd have, the, you'd have a, a police helicopter or something that would come out, and, uh, come out and save the people. You wouldn't have to actually have any kind of responsibility for that. Mm -hmm. But the difficulty with Kyrgyzstan is that the emergency services are really limited. They, um, they don't actually have a rescue helicopter anymore huh. because they crashed it last summer. So, um, okay. <laughs> we, uh, so we have, we're going to have a couple of medical vehicles on the routes and so, and with, with doctors that we've hired. And so it's actually, it's up to us to, uh, to be the first responders and then pass on to the local emergency services afterwards. So there's another level of, uh, sort of responsibility involved. Yes, yes, yes. You just really, yeah, you raise the bar actually of what is adventure cycling or kind of organized adventure cycling with, uh, the Silk Road Monte race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there are other events that people that are much more minimalist in the, the way they do it, and everyone's kind of their own race director, and they, they, they really understand that there's, there's no support whatsoever. There's no, I mean, no emergency support, because this race is still fully unsupported. There's no help when you're racing, but, you know, when, when things, if things turn, turn bad, then, um, then we would be there. Whereas in the other events, it's made very clear that, you know, there is nothing, and you, just, you have to sort yourself out. So still talking about um, the first edition of the pedal, this uh, Silk Road Mountain Race, there was something that actually, so you had some expectation, I believe, at the beginning, but for sure, um, not everything went through the expectation that you had. Do you have something like... No, a couple was... of... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it was, a, it was a little bit different. So we... When I originally designed the route and tried to gauge the difficulty of it and understand what kind of a challenge it would be for people, set the, the time limit, all the rest of it, um, we expected it to be sort of a tough challenge, but we, I, don't think, I think we underestimated a little bit about quite how difficult it would be. So we ended up, the fact that we ended up with only about 30 finishes from 90 people that started was... Well, I expected, honestly, I expected more people to finish. Um, but I think it was a number of different factors that were hard to predict. We had some of the worst weather possible in August when normally it should be better. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, my dog just went crazy. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we had a number of different conditions that came together that meant that the race was, was tougher than expected, okay. basically. Okay, okay, okay. So that's what happened, actually. But I think it's all the times it's more or less like this. You start with some expectation, but actually you also know by yourself that n I would not say nothing will go as you expected, but for sure, let's say there's going to be a variable things of unknown that covers in a race like this, probably 60%, right? You have to react on what happens. Yeah, there was there was a few things that, that we could have that now that we, now we've learned from experience. You know, trackers that weren't functioning at the, the start of the race, so we had a lot of stressed out 
dot watchers who were saying, you know, my dot hasn't moved. I've even started the race. We were chasing down riders, swapping out trackers, making sure they were turned on, <laughs> doing this kind of stuff. Mm, yeah. So these are the kind of, you know, we, we expect things to be a little bit more reliable in that respect. And so we had a little bit of rushing around and sorting those kinds of issues. Yeah. But overall, it, it did. I think we'd, we'd put the work in and done the preparation and looked at the kinds of risk there was and done everything we could to, to mitigate the risks. And I think overall, we did a pretty good job, but we learned some valuable lessons. And I think this year, things will run a little bit smoother again. Yeah. So I just want to make another couple of questions to you about the edition number one. The first one, you touched base already on this one. Something like 30% of the participants just finished the race itself. Yeah. So you actually mentioned that probably it was because of the weather condition. Uh, there was something nasty happening over there. I remember the picture. And I remember from the video, by the way, that, uh, yeah, something went nasty out there. Can you actually... Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was... Uh, yeah, sorry. No, <laughs> it no, no, was, no, no, go uh, ahead, please. <laughs> I think it was, a, it was a combination of things. So the weather definitely didn't help. But um, I think... One of the reasons was that quite a few people probably underestimated the race as well. They were imagining we had quite a few people who came from a more ultra distance but road racing background, and so they couldn't imagine that you know the race requires you just to finish for the after party requires you to do 120 kilometers a day, which for a road rider who's long who's used to riding all day going long distances that sounds really easy, but um, it's 120 kilometers in Kyrgyzstan, <laughs> which is is not at all the same kind of thing. Um, and then I think yeah, there was there was a few things. There was there was food. A lot of people a lot of people got sick. But fundamentally, I think that all these different factors, the weather, you know, it was really cold at times. It was super hot at other times. They got snowed on, rained on, hail, wind, everything possible. And it took a lot of mental toughness just to want to carry on going through it. I think more than other races, the big difference with Silk Road Mountain Race is something like something like the Transcontinental, where you can the race is tough to finish regardless. But if you're just there to finish for the after party, like the to take the two weeks, mm-hmm. you it's a difficult challenge, but it's more a question of how hard do you make the race for yourself. So if you're if you're in the front of the race and you're sleeping two hours a day, then yeah, it can be you know sleep deprivation, all the rest of it. It's, it's an incredibly tough event. But with with SRMR, the thing is that even if you're back markers and you're sleeping a little bit more, taking a little bit more time, you still have to deal with four thousand meter passes, snow, rain, winds. I mean, just so much, so much tougher conditions wherever you are in the race. So I think it was it was just overall tougher for every participant rather than just the the guys who are really really going hard and making it tough for themselves can if that makes sense yes it makes sense but actually i want to put another small detail just asking you because of that i think that i've seen last yep. year uh, it was that um yeah a lot of participants took part participants took part uh, to the silk road mountain race with kind of gravel bikes so no suspensions and nothing similar to that yep. While especially for people that are not completely experienced with this kind of races, probably would have been better using suspension on the bike. Can you pro- maybe also consider this one as a variable of what you were mentioning at the beginning, underestimating? Do you expect that something is going to change for this year? or So people are going to come with suspension bicycle or still people will come with super, super big, thick tires, but no suspensions? Yeah, so I think the bike choice will probably change a little bit. So we did, you know, last year Jay won it on a on a gravel bike. Leventi was second on a gravel bike as well. Then we had a bit of a mix, and there were a lot more gravel bikes than probably the terrain would uh, would uh, recommend. But um, yeah, I think people will reevaluate a little bit. I I'm still not sure if you need front suspension or not. Um, probably if I were racing, I would take a hardtail. I think um, a hardtail or like a a rigid 29 or something like that. Uh, we did have one guy on a full suspension last year, and mm-hmm. he was probably the happiest looking guy in the race. Like He always had a smile on his face. He was enjoying all the def- descents, and he was doing really well. He was just loving it. And whenever else was hating the, uh, the washboarded roads and they were just really, really not enjoying that, then he was just absolutely fine with it, just cruising along. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, definitely suspension is an option for sure. Yeah, we've adapted a little bit our recommendation for bikes, and it's now more like two-inch tires minimum, rigid 29er, or probably up to you know full sus, but 
probably moving away from gravel. The main reason I said gravel bikes was okay is because I was more thinking in the mindset that if you have a gravel bike and you didn't, you don't need to buy a specific bike for this race to come out and do it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to buy a hardtail if you don't have it. But and you can perfectly do it on a gravel bike. Just you know, the guy won it, won it on a gravel bike. You know, but uh, in terms of comfort, looking after your body, um, all the rest of that. It's probably nice having some some bigger tires and maybe some suspension. <laughs> yes. Also because I believe that anyways, um, I actually was basing more or less this question to you, not for people that want to run for winning, for sure. They would better have something like lighter maybe to move and where they feel a bit more comfortable and whatever. But for people that need a bit more of comfort on riding this race, yeah. probably it's better to get at least front suspension. And comfort is also speed in these kinds of races. Ah. The the fact that you're you know you can be the strongest cyclist in the world, but if you're getting beaten up by the roads, you are going to be slower than if you're on a sl slightly heavier bike that's more comfortable. Yeah. So I think I think even for the front up the front there'll be some there'll be some suspension this year. I think people will have learned the lesson. Yeah, I don't know. I have a couple of ideas for people that are coming with suspension, but we're going to talk about <laughs> that in the future probably. Um, yeah. Last thing that I want to ask you about the Silk Road Mountain Race Edition 1 is the, um, something that we're going to touch base also probably on the number two, but um, do you have a, let's put it in that way, do you have a huge highlight that you would say, wow, in that moment I really thought, wow, this was really, I'm really, really happy that I've done this and organized this. And the other one, at a certain point you said, shitty hell, what the hell have I done? <laughs> Why did I put well, all I think, these people there in danger? All stuff like this. Well, I think you probably inverse the the answers to those two questions because I was thinking more oh, shit. What the hell have I done at the beginning of the race? And then as things got a little bit calmer, it got a bit less stressful, and I started to see the positives out of it and get some reaction from riders. Then I started to think, oh, actually, no, this this was well worth it. So yes, yeah, so my my uh, oh shit moment was was probably the first day actually. Mm -hmm. I was uh, standing at the top of Kigeti Pass, so. It's you leave Bishkek at 800 meters, and the summit of Kegeti is 3,780 or 3,790 meters, mm -hmm. and you get there in 110 kilometers. This year, a little bit less actually, because we, we slightly shortened the route. But um, yeah, so it's 110k into the race, you climbed 3,000 meters and some extra meters because there's some hills before. And so I was standing at the top of this pass, and we were ahead of all the riders. We were waiting for them to come up, and. Uh, the weather starts coming in, it starts being this huge thunderstorm and literally, you know, thunder, lightning, like crash, bang, the most dramatic looking thing ever. And these guys, are, and this is about the time that the guys, the first riders are coming up. And I was just thinking, what, you know, what have I done? This is just, <laughs> this is completely insane. <laughs> and the guys are coming up in a snowstorm, pushing their bikes at 4,000 meters. And they're like, the comments from people were a little bit like, man, you were, <laughs> you designed this thing. Why did you, why did you do this? You're, you're a complete sadist. <laughs> okay. And I was a bit, yeah, I was thinking, well, maybe this, the setting is a little bit too big for an event like this. But, um. And I think a lot, it was a bit the same for quite a few riders. They were higher up, it was snow, and lower down, it was rain. And uh, so they just got suddenly lashed by this huge storm. And quite a few riders started putting up their tents and stopping and thinking they needed to sleep. And then the storm didn't last that long. So then they were like, oh, shit, it's only 8 p.m. Do I carry on? Do I have to put all my stuff that's wet away? And so I think it was a bit of a sort of welcome to the race for welcome welcome to kyrgyzstan for everyone who uh who wasn't fully aware what they were taking part in after that they really knew like it was clear this thing is this is quite a serious event <laughs> and so the wow moment was the end when uh yeah fighting. so so at the end it was it was more the reaction from from people that throughout the race it's i think this happens in all these kinds of events but you have the guys talking to you and they're more telling you like not pissed off at you but kind of half jokingly angry at you for what you're putting them through mm. which they've signed up of their own free will you know but they're still like what am i doing you why, why have you why are you making me do this <laughs> but then as he comes through it's, it's right at the end of the race that then you know they're done with it they get the satisfaction of having finished it and you know whatever impact it's had on their life i mean it's in some cases it was it was it was really quite a, quite a strong moment we had a, had a guy who um before the race he was very hesitant to come and ride because he was uh because he's diabetic and mm. in the end his partner ended up uh his partner ended up quitting and he still finished the race and he was telling me you know 
I was just thanks for for organizing this. It's given me a lot more confidence going to going to life in general after that. And I was just you know I was just thinking this is this is exactly why we do these things, and uh, it makes it worth it. Wow, wow, wow! Amazing story, actually, really, really amazing story. Um, I just want to before I continue with our question and answer talk. I just want to mention one single super fun thing. Uh, everybody out there, if you don't know what happened on how, I'll say, on how or how was the Silk Road Mountain Race Edition 1, there is an amazing video. You can find it out in Vimeo or also on the website, silkroadmountainrace.cc. Uh, that is Wild Horses. It's exactly all the story of what happens on the Silk Road Mountain Race Edition 1. And there you can see exactly the thing that Nelson was describing: um, hailstorms, snowstorms. Um, really, <laughs> that was a yeah. that was on another pass. Actually, it was on Tussle Pass, so it wasn't Kigiti was not the only place there was a storm, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was also a big one on on Kigiti that we didn't catch on film. We just got a little bit of snow there, I think, or like a few a few flakes. <laughs> So yeah, if you want to have an idea on what is going, uh, what was last year, because what is going to be actually, we are going to discover it day by day probably. But yeah, just to have a small starter on what was, on what is exactly the spirit and uh, the race itself, the Silk Road Monte race, the video is a great one. So yeah, yeah, it gives a good idea, it gives a good feel for the atmosphere, for the for what the challenge is, and a lot of the parameters will stay the same this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, let's move to edition number two, Nelson. Tell me, maybe uh, you can go something like, go free on what you think, and actually in what you want to align that is going to be new for the edition number two. If something is missing, I'm going to ask you. Let's do it in that way. Yeah, sure, no problem. So one of the first things is that every year my plan, well, my plan from the, from the start was to have, to update the route every year. Uh-huh. And so I wanted to keep it fresh, keep uh explore new places in Kyrgyzstan, share more of Kyrgyzstan, and for anyone who wants coming back, that there's something there's something new to see. And so we had, for this year, we had quite ambitious plans for what we were going to do with the routes. Um, there was going to be 500 kilometers of new tracks out of the sort of 1,700 of the race. But it was, uh, we had a bit of a complication where we wanted to go to this very, very wild part of Kyrgyzstan called Uzungugush. Mm-hmm. And there's a river that runs along the border with China. And the river is the border. And unfortunately, the Kyrgyz road that the border guards use to patrol the border actually crosses onto the Chinese side for a bit. Mm. And uh, when I, I went down there, so I scouted it, checked it out, and the border guards let me through. I had the border zone permit, everything I needed to do it. But when we then met with the head of the border guards, they said, you want to go where? And you've, wait, you've been there? And they said, no, no, that's completely illegal. You're not allowed to go there. The only border guards are allowed to go there, and you could have been arrested by the Chinese. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, well, I actually went there, and it was fine. But um, So they were not very keen to send about 150 people down there. Okay. So in the end, the route changes are not as dramatic as, as we had planned. We wanted to make it freshen up quite a lot of it but in the end we're gonna have um we have a new finish so last year we were finishing in chonkimin which is a village in a valley next to kazakhstan not too far from bishkek it's about okay. a couple hundred no 150 kilometers from bishkek about to the east the capital um and that finish I think it was a nice, it was a real nice Kyrgyz finish, and we had a had a yurt that everyone was hanging out in. But I think I did have the feedback from a few riders. They're saying they were they were going to like the the guys who'd been there who'd come first, well, come who were the head of the race. They'd been there for about a week, and they were kind of going a little bit nuts in this village in the mountains, okay. um, running out of things to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, this year we moved the finish to Cholponata. Which is the big, uh, the biggest resort town on the lake Isikul. So it's uh, it's a beach town basically. And for anyone who's not familiar with Kyrgyzstan, is that Isikul is the second biggest saltwater lake in the world after the Caspian Sea. So it's this huge lake, and it's kind of in Soviet times and even now actually, it's kind of the the Mediterranean in Central Asia, where people Russians and Kazakhs would fly in and spend summer holidays here. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a nice place to hang out by the beach. It's at 1,800 meters, so it's, the lake is still relatively cool even at the end of August, but it's still a very nice place to swim. It's beautiful, surrounded by mountains. And, um, yeah, so we're going to have a nice lakeside finish, a little bit more amenities, a few bars, some restaurants, 
we're just finalizing the, the exact finish location right now, but it's probably going to be at one of the resorts there. And we'll have a nice finish, big place for a party, the Saturday at the finish of the race, and uh, there'll be ample opportunities for cold beers and chilling on the beach. Yeah. So it's probably one of the big changes. Um, other than that, we still wanted to change to update the routes to stand by the, the idea, the original idea of changing every year. So with the new finish, we cut out a is about a hundred kilometer loop that went through a system of valleys um, where the Chinese are building a new road. So that's gone. Uh-huh. And then we changed out the Tosso Pass, which features in the Wild Horses video. Okay. Uh, that pass has been switched out for a new pass, uh, Tong Pass, which is slightly higher. And it's the first 4,000, officially 4,000 meter pass of the race. Mm-hmm. We only got about 3,900 last year. Now this one is 4,013 meters. So it just, uh, just tips the scales at 4,000 meters. And you have been there this weekend, don't you? I was here. I was there last week. Oh, yeah, last week. so I went there because it was the only place, because it was a change that was quite late on, uh, I hadn't actually gone to scout it yet. Mm-hmm. So all the race is based on, all the track for the race is based on real, on the ground GPS data. So there's nothing just planned out of, off of maps. We've actually go there, record and check the tracks. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go up there physically and um, I went there straight last week. Fresh from coming back from Europe, actually, so zero acclimatization. And the plan was to get up and over the pass and then come back over the next day. And I got to about 3,500 meters, and I was just getting really, really slow. And I was like, this is, this is not a good idea. So I, um, I actually just slept at 3,500 and then went over the pass the next day. Okay, 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 okay. And it's, uh, yeah, it's not, not quite open. It's a little bit early in the season. So the top of the pass was fully snowed in so there's you know the, the road is clear and then suddenly you get to a place where it's a 45 degree snow slope and there's no no road at all and so you have to like pick your way across this sort of icy slippy snow with the bike and uh, paying quite quite careful attention not to slide down because that wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be so fun okay hiking shoes is always a good idea then to do this yeah i think by the time the riders come it will it will definitely be empty there'll be a nice clear road but uh it's still a big pass and uh, at the moment, it's not quite ready. Okay, okay. But it'll be there. Cool. So some new spots on the road, on the route. Some a new finish, uh, a new finish point. I can't wait actually to arrive to the lake that you mentioned. I don't know. It looks like a, an amazing place. I'm I'm in love with lakes, so for sure. No, I still have a few lakes. Then there's every every checkpoint is a lake, That's and the finish line is uh, actually yeah. So we've got Songkul is the first lake at around three thousand meters. Is this uh, same as last year, but it's where a lot of families come up from the villages and they bring all their flocks and their, their herds up and they spend the summer there. There's yeah. big summer pastures, Jailo. Uh, Kulsu Lake, which was dry last year, mm. which is at checkpoint two. Uh, that's actually got water this year, so we're, I'm actually debating whether we'll put back in the hike to the lake again because last year we had it there. And I think riders were a little bit disappointed when they'd seen these pictures of this beautiful emerald green lake and mm-hmm. in the end it was just uh, a mud pit <laughs> mm-hmm. but now there's water so i had removed the hike to the lake but we may put it back in i think i'm i'm, I'm thinking about asking the riders doing a poll or something see if they want to add that back in or not and then uh, and then yeah finish it's a cool so you'll, you'll have a few lakes there's a lot of lakes in kyrgyzstan love it love it there's two things that i really 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 love Okay, in general, but let's say in the traveling life that I have usually. Lakes, I love lakes, and trains. So I don't think we're going to find so many trains out there, but for sure lakes are going to be covered, so I'm happy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, great. Ah, Also bridges. Another thing that hits my fantasy and my imagination is bridges. Are we going to find some bridges around? Uh, Very few bridges. Kyrgyzstan is not big on bridges, which makes rivers a bit of a problem. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, I think we have... One bridge coming down from Songkul. That last year we were hesitating about that bridge because it was uh, it had started to collapse and it was closed to cars. You could still cross walking and cycling, but it was closed to cars. Okay. But they've uh, they fixed it since then. Okay. But yeah, otherwise not many bridges. It's a lot of river crossings. Okay. It's not yeah. But at the end of the day, it's not about quantity, but it's about quality. So it's fine. <laughs> These tend to be sort of installed by the army, big uh, steel like um, bolted together bridges. There's not any very elaborate, fancy suspension bridges or anything, I'm afraid. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to check. I'm going to give a rate to the bridge then, and I'm going to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Rank the bridge right. of Silk Road Mountain Race. 
It'll be like hashtag. one to three. <laughs> hashtag that. You're going to listen to that for sure. I'm going to rank it. Um, is there anything else new that actually is going gonna, is gonna to happen in edition number two? Something changed and I don't know. We talked about the route, but for example, I don't know, something new was in the organization, for example. So in the organization, there's there's quite a few things that have changed in the in the background in, in the sort of organization side of things that writers won't necessarily be aware of. But um, essentially, it's, it's stuff that makes things run a bit smoother. We've we're updating the way we're communicating between the teams, um, but this is all sort of organizational stuff. So it's it's all in the background. Um, other than that. We yeah, I think everything's made it's a little bit bigger. We have more riders, so it's a, there's a little bit more logistics and a bit more organization. Um, we are planning. There is one change in terms of media. We're planning on doing a, a series of videos during the race. Oh wow, that's great! Uh, last year, so we had a documentary that came out quite a bit after, and it was it was actually it was planned afterwards. It was never really it wasn't originally. We didn't originally think we would do a documentary, and then in the end, in the end, it happened. So that was that was a great piece of content that came out quite a bit after the race. So this, but this year, we're trying to do a series of videos that will come out every three days during the race. Okay. So maybe a little bit ambitious. We'll see if we actually manage because of the difficulties with internet and being on the road all the time is going to be tough. But uh, yeah, there should be a series of videos. Yeah. Anyways, don't tell me that there's going to be complication with the internet because I have to. To post more or less in the same time, something like every three days, some podcast out there. Don't disappoint yeah, people that are listening same. to us. I think, yeah, audio files is a little bit easier than like HD video files, so you should be fine. I will not be completely sure on that, but let's say I would. No, no, you're planning on making. <laughs> no, no, we'll have um, like last year. The the control cars had internet every couple of days, and because uh, we had to, you know, to to upload the photos for the social media, all the rest of it. So you'll be you'll be sleeping in a guest house probably, or at least passing through a village every couple of days. This should, shouldn't be a problem. Okay. Same thing for the the video crew. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah. Um, anyways, I'm really, really looking forward not only to produce the podcast out there, but also to see what is gonna come out on these videos. That uh, the series of videos that you are mentioning is gonna be for sure super, super good. Really, uh, life adventure without so much building the story up or whatever. The really rough terrain. I want to make it quite real and. I mean, we, we, one of the things we, we try to avoid is sensationalizing this event. I mean, there's there's been a few articles and things that, that talk about it in sort of dramatic terms, but we want to try and portray it as it is, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that we wanted to do is that um, we want to talk a little bit more about Kyrgyzstan as well. Mm-hmm. So last year, a lot of what we were doing, Kyrgyzstan was almost a backdrop. And uh, I think it definitely it deserves more in terms of talking about the country itself and the people who, who live here and the culture and all the rest of it. So the, the videos, for example, we, the plan, and we'll, we'll see if this, if this turns out exactly how, how I'm describing it now, but um, the plan is to do half of the video is going to be pre-filmed and it's going to be talking to people, to locals, at a number of different highlights mm-hmm. and getting a little bit more of an understanding for each place. And then it will be the actual race and the riders in those same locations and how they're perceiving it and maybe linking the two together. So there's going to be, we're going to be scratching the surface a little bit more about what these places mean and the history and the significance of them rather than just, you know, this is a beautiful landscape, super tough, and here's some guys on bikes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So a bit more than in the race itself, really let people discover a bit more about Kyrgyzstan and maybe let them discover... A bit by of the context. Video. Yes. And maybe discover, it, discover the Kyrgyzstan itself with the video, but also yeah. start with sparkling at the idea of going and visiting it. Uh, visiting it. Yeah, of course. It's going to be a combination of the two. We'll still very much be talking about the race, but um, give people a little bit more of an idea of, of what this place is about. Yeah. I don't want to do any spoiler here, but I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, last week <laughs> I talked with um, with Mohamed. He's going to be one of the participants. And he's also yep. actually a guide uh, in Kyrgyzstan, a tourist guide. And actually he was describing me... You're going to listen to that, people. It was, it was, he was describing me a bit more what he does and which one the landscapes, um, everything that is out there and that makes Kyrgyzstan so special. And I fell in love with it. And I hope that we can really transmit the same feeling with pictures, photos, videos, podcasts itself, in order to people to really can go there and discover, obviously, keeping a good eye there and also enjoying how good, how amazing is the nature out there. 
Yeah, we'll certainly try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll try to do that. Uh, still talking about new things on the edition number two. Did you change something also in the selection of the racer? Looking back to what happens to the edition number one, or it was a little bit different. Last year, so we there was an application process. We asked people questions about their experience, what they'd done before, what their plans were. There were some questions on the race manual to make sure that they they knew what they were getting into, that they'd read everything, the warnings, the distances involved, everything like that. So that didn't change that much. Um, but what we did add was our, our emphasis in selecting riders was more on their mountain experience. So it was basically knowing how to involve an environment of big, big mountains uh, that is remote, that you can have serious weather, that you're far away from help, and knowing that they've been in situations like this before. So we had um, we were less focused on the cycling. So my my priority was essentially knowing can these and everyone who's coming out, do they have a reasonable chance of, of being safe in this environment? And so those, those are more questions like that. And we asked um, some situational questions as well. So it was sort of, you're, you know, you are two hours from the top of this pass. Um, it starts to be, it's close to evening time and there is a huge storm that's about to erupt. Uh, or yeah, or it starts to snow or rain. I can't remember exactly the question, but basically it was a scenario that sounded pretty severe. And then saying, you know, what what do you do next? So it was partly to check that riders really understood what they were getting themselves into. That these are situations that really can happen, and then to see their responses and see that they they thought carefully and understood understood what you know what kind of steps they can take to make sure that they 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 get out of those situations safely. Cool. cool. So we saw. In terms of the kind of profiles we saw apply this year, I think definitely the coverage from last year, blogs, everything that people have said about the race, word of mouth, all this kind of stuff, people definitely, it's attracted a lot of similar people, but also a lot more, what I would call sort of serious, more adventurous types. So there's there's just people with, with more experience that are applying, people who have done you know, all kinds of crazy stuff already. So we see a little bit more like that. So I think overall we weren't as swamped with applications as people might have thought because you know because of the, the, the following of the event and all the people that were interested. But we definitely got a more more sort of more serious applicants than last year. Okay. So there's a lot of there's a lot of like serious riders coming. <laughs> cool. I want to stay here for one second, really something really one second. If you can tell us that. So you mentioned the application form that you put down with the question yeah. that you answer, uh, sorry, that you ask and with the answer that you receive in order to understand a bit better about the personality itself, how they are familiar with uh, the mountains environment, the adventure thing, uh, whatever. But I want to put just a small bracket on some funny things. Do you find something, if you can tell us, in the candidature and the answer of the participant, did you find something that really hits your uh, curiosity and stuff in the funny way or in a cool way? If you can tell us something, because I don't know, I would be super, super stunned to have a look to answer that people give on uh, such specific question, but also, you know... Yeah, it's more it's more on their experience that you had some you had some funny funny questions. There's also a question asking people what their motivation was and so okay. we had some quite interesting answers. But um I think one of them and it's a it's a guy that I, I think I organized for you to be talking to soon actually, one of the new participants. Okay. And so when I saw his, his application originally I was I saw that he was, you know, because I asked everyone's age and he said he was 67. And I was I thinking, I, I'll admit, I was like, whoa, 67. I mean, that's that's quite, you know, it's pushing it a little bit age-wise to do, do an event like this. Some, you know, I have to see what the rest of the application is like, but I was a little bit concerned. And um, it, then I continued reading and a lot of the answers were just like, serious adventures and <laughs> talking about having um having done an unsupported race in south africa and um fallen because of i think it was an ant bear hole mm-hmm. and I, I don't even know what an ant bear is but i imagine they leave large holes the bikes can crash into okay. <laughs> and saying that he dislocated his shoulder and had then carried on for three days with his arm inside his jersey and it was it was a number of things like this or kayaking a river where the zambezi river and then for several days and then being attacked by a crocodile losing his 
his kayak and then not ending up where he wants to be but still having gone through this crazy adventure and by the end of it i was just thinking okay so he may be okay 67 but he sounds like he's been through a lot of these kinds of things before and i'm i'm not too worried about him actually yeah exactly he knows how to carry on also in wild situations let's say yeah i was thinking i think he yeah i think he'll be all right he'll look after himself and he's and he's racing with his son actually so there's there's also that added uh added a little bit of reassurance I can't really wait to have the both of them actually on my microphone to ask some questions about that. Yeah, I'm interested to hear a little bit more and meet them in person as well. I think they have some stories to tell. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Also because if this is something that he wrote, for sure probably he has also something that he, he has hidden. So probably we can Oh yeah, I'm sure there's lots there. of other things to say. <laughs> Cool, 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 cool. That's amazing. Um, let me see what we can go through still. Um, yes, I want to... So we talked at the beginning of this kind of what's new on the edition number two. And we spent a bit of time on the route itself. Well, I know for sure that also here you have in mind some spots, some places where people would say, oh, great, Nelson, this is really an amazing place. Really, thank you to, to have brought me here. And other places where people would say, what the hell jumped into your mind, Nelson, to bring me here? It's so <laughs> dangerous or it's so rough or whatever. Can you maybe visualize and position places like this? Um, I think so, yeah. I think, well, the this is an amazing place. Thanks for bringing me here. I think that's that is. Nelson, I lost you. Hello. Hey, Nelson. Hi. Yes, it cut. I'm not sure what happened. Ah, uh, Prana, it happens. It happens. I thought that somebody was calling you. No, no, it's, it's just reconnects. Yeah, I thought the same thing, and then uh, no, it um, just cut. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, anyways, I think I'm gonna keep everything here. So, <laughs> when the line was caught, actually, you were saying uh, that's an amazing place. So, the place that is gonna be that's an amazing place. Thanks, Nelson, to bringing me here. Is yes. So, honestly, that a lot of the country people are just gonna just gonna be amazed by it's the landscapes change so quickly and it's so varied. Almost every bend you go around, you're just going to be stunned by another another amazing landscape. Um, I think one of the my favorite sort of spots is after Baetov. The you climb out of Baetov and there's this this insane canyon system behind you that's just just mind-blowingly beautiful. Mm. Otherwise, the whole area around CP2, it's just super super wild. It's really in the middle of nowhere, and it's just this big snow-capped mountains green pastures wild rivers you know you're at a yurt camp and you really feel like you're riding to the sort of the end of the world um in terms of the places where people are going to be kind of hating me mm -hmm. i i think there's a few it's not just one i'm afraid okay but uh there's definitely the, the past that i warned everyone about and i built up a little bit last year shamsi Okay. So it's the it was the last big pass of last year's race, and it's another. It's a little bit lower actually. I think it's three and a half thousand meters, but it's it is a horse track. It's not a road. It never was a road, and um, there's actually some really nice single track on the way down, but it's more or less a twenty kilometer hike. <laughs> oh, so twenty kilometer twenty kilometer hike means. Let me think. Three hours? That mm, more. Maybe four. more than that. <laughs> more like five, five, six hours. Wow. It's, uh, yeah, it's big and it's long, and yeah, the top is quite exposed. It's quite steep. It's it's a serious serious undertaking. And there's a few reasonably reasonably deep river crossings on the way down, which are not that bad, but they can vary quite a lot. Mm. So you're sort of knee deep and it's cold water. Um, I think that probably this year, though, the most they might be only briefly angry at me because it's right at the end of the race, mm -hmm. but also probably one of the most frustrating. But I have warned people about it, so they can't they can't complain too much that I didn't warn them. Okay. Is the last pass is it used to be a road I think until the early 90s, and since then there's been a lot of um, landslides and all kinds of rocks have come down and blocked the road. Mm -hmm. So on the way up. It's quite bad. There's a lot of you have to cross a lot of landslides. There's maybe 10, 15 landslides, and the road gets very vague at the top. But that 
that's okay, you know, you're on the way up to the last pass, you know, it's the last climb of the race. It's more the descent that I think people will be uh, a little bit annoyed by. You can, from the summit at 3,800 meters about, you can actually see Isikul Lake and you can see the road the entire way down to the lakeshore. And it's 20 kilometers, 2,200 meters, I think, of descent. So, you you know, you see this road the whole way down and you're just telling yourself this is going to be this amazing descent and then there's a ride... 15, 15 kilometers along the shore and then you get to the finish line okay. and the issue is that on the way down there's a bunch of landslides as well ah. so you ride a little bit get off your bike hike across some rocks ride a little bit more get a hike across some more rocks ride a bit more and it's like that pretty much the whole way down mm. and then when the landslides stop the road's really rough and the surface is really bad and so it's just, I think people will just be a little bit frustrated that it will take away the sort of huge enjoyment of this massive final descent but i'll just tell them that there there was no other way to get to the finish line otherwise it was the main road and i think that people will prefer still just about prefer a massive pass and a bit of a horrendous descent yeah this <laughs> was actually your final joke right now you arrived to the to one of the most challenging climbs of the race <laughs> and then from the top of it you can see the lake and the finish lane to arrive but the way down is a pain yeah and it just sucks but okay. it's unavoidable the views are really good though yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> beautiful yeah anyways <laughs> they're gonna have something like the carrot sign of the beer aspecting for them at the beer yeah line, i think so they'll just fine. be happy to be done by that point and yeah i, I, I think I'll, i will definitely get some comments because people usually comment about the last thing they've just been through I but see. i think in, on balance they'll just be mainly relieved to be done <laughs> okay okay let's wait for that <laughs> We'll see, we'll see how they react, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, what else? I would say, yes, I want to ask you, this is, is going to be probably the last question. We talked a bit about uh, Kyrgyzstan itself and um, how you want also to um, showing a bit more what Ky Kyrgyzstan can, uh, can give to people, to tourists, landscape-wise and everything like this. But talking about Kyrgyz people, the locals there. Do you receive? Do you receive? Do you have normal contacts? Do you receive some comments on what the race itself, what represented edition number two, what is going to represent edition number? Sorry, what represented the edition number one? What is going to represent the edition number two? And what they think about a bunch of people going out in super wild places <laughs> into their own country? What they think about that? Um, so I think the average person probably doesn't really get well they don't really understand why you would want to cycle ride your bike long distances like this anyway they're just like why would you do this when you could ride a perfectly good horse or maybe take a car like it just they, you know there are there are more efficient means of doing this like why, why are you doing this on a bike um <laughs> so there's, there's a little bit of incomprehension it's a little bit alien as well but the i mean in short when you talk to mohammed there's he you know for example he, he saw the race last year and he really wanted to participate but because he's a guy he couldn't and in the end you know he was, he was excited that you know there was this huge challenge in this event with a bunch of people coming from a lot of different places to to come to kyrgyzstan for this kind of thing so i think no, a lot of people a lot of people appreciate that it's happening but it's, it's still a bit of an unknown and they have difficulty wrapping their head around why you would want to do this and then you know it's they usually ask you know what's 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 the prize what do you get for finishing this and then you say well you get like a handshake and like well done <laughs> yes, 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 yes and that's about it really and you get the satisfaction of having completed it and that's also a bit hard to understand swim in the lake super fresh lake yeah you get a cold beer and a swimming in the lake but then they'll say yeah but i could i could get that without having done this right <laughs> <laughs> you're right it's true it's true <laughs> You don't need to do all this to get a beer and a, and a swim in the lake. That's quite easy. <laughs> Especially after this long descent where you have to jump out from the bicycle so often. But that's another story. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the lake by then. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah, cool. no, this, they, they do. They're, they're generally just sort of amazed, a little bit amazed by the... the there's, there's all these people coming out to Kyrgyzstan to do this this crazy thing and ride all this distance and you know they've people from Bishkek I mean they've they've been around the country quite a bit but there's the really really wild places that these guys are going to quite a few of them haven't been there and they've you know they don't, they don't really understand why why you want to go there and they're just like there's beautiful places much closer to Bishkek you know but yeah they're more sort of just impressed by the challenge of it 
and there's a few of them, a few people inspired as well, thinking of taking up cycling or wanting to do kind of challenges like this as well. Okay. So I think it has good good impact. Cool, cool, cool. Um, Nelson, I want to ask you the last question. Probably this one is going to be the last question for sure. Um, yep. So last year you told me that at the end, after the um, the first edition, the Silk Road number Silk Road Mountain Race number one, you would have take it. A, you would have take a break after organizing all of this, and you would have gone and you went actually to the Nomad Olympics. You called me, and then something like try to clean uh, up yes. your from the stress and everything. What are you gonna do this year after the edition number two? Do we have already some plans in order to push out all the stress that an event like this represents for you? Yeah, um, this year we'll be going pretty much immediately. Oh no, <laughs> first I'll be flying to Eurobike and back, so that will be super de stressful. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, so I'll be coming to, I'll be flying through Zurich actually, so I won't be very far from you. Oh, okay. And then, uh, but after that, so that's, that's just, I have to go there. But um, after that, we'll be going exploring. So there we're going to go check out some, some new places and maybe do a bit of filming. I'm not sure yet. But um, it involves buying a packraft and uh, going to some slightly more ex extreme, exciting places in Kyrgyzstan. There's a river I've been meaning to cross for the last couple of years and haven't got around to doing it. So this year, go back with the packraft and should manage to get that done. And this is in, this is all, well, it's mainly because I wanted to do it, but also potentially for future edition of uh, Silk Road Mountain Race. So there is some uh, plans for, some slightly more ambitious plans for new route changes for the 2020 edition. Okay. Which may involve some means of crossing a river, so there'll be a checkpoint where we will probably get people across the river. But um, that still remains to be seen if it's possible. Um, there's still quite a bit of work to be done for that yet. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't want to yeah. push anything really too much further of that, but so you mean that probably next edition, I don't know, let's say, let's put it in that way, next edition of the Silk Road Monterey's will not represent only a bicycle race unsupported adventures or whatever but more a bit more 360 degrees adventure on the silk road uh, no, it'll still be it'll still be a bike race it'll okay. still be a bike race we won't we're not quite at the point where we'll be getting people on pack crafts or anything like that but for scouting i'll use a pack craft and then during the for the race we need to find a solution to cross people over so either we'll set up a zip line or one of the options was renting a, a big army truck and driving people across the river like a big six by six camas or something oh wow <laughs> But um, we'll see about that. That's all remains to be seen. But okay. yeah, 2020 could be something special as well. <laughs> okay, okay. But still, the idea is that shutting down, closing the edition number two means actually opening the door to edition number three. Like last year, uh, also course. this year is going to be like this. It's always going to be a step to, to, to what's, what's next as well. Yes, yes. But this is this is definitely going to be an addition to remember. I think we have we have a lot of strong riders coming out, and uh, it's going to be good. For sure, for sure. Just think about the edition number two that still needs to start, and uh, let's see what yep. the future is going to tell us. For sure. Perfect. Do you want to add something, Nelson? Do you think that we missed something, or? Um, I don't think so. I think we're all. Uh... Pretty much all covered, yeah. Yeah, anyways, we are going to be together from the middle of August on. So if you want to add anything, we are going to... I'm going to have a recorder with me, so you can still talk on this podcast if you want. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we might be... Um, I'm not sure what the plans are exactly for the control car. If you'll be switching... You'll be switching from car to car, maybe. But uh, I'm not sure. You'll probably be in my car at some point, if that's the case. So then we can always catch up during yes, the race. Exactly. We see how things up. are going. Yes, catch up. See yes. if things lived up to the expectations or see if I've slept or not. Yes, this is one thing. So sleeping thing. And also the other thing is that I for sure will uh, we'll catch some uh, comments or... I would say swearing. Anyway, something directly uh, directed <laughs> to you from the racer. So I need to communicate those with you in any way. So. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, you can feel free to play me some messages if you ask people what the. If you had something to say to Nelson right now, feel free and you can. Uh, then we'll see. We'll see how it compares to what the messages are at the finish line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This would be great. <laughs> this would be great actually. For sure, I will be sure to put all these comments in the podcast because I would love to see the evolution of the feelings of the riders from the beginning <laughs> till the end. So from the first beer before starting till the last one after finishing mm. let's see 
It'll be a bit of a roller coaster. I'm sure it'll be up, up and down depending on the day, whether, whether they've eaten, when the last time they were in a snowstorm was, that kind of thing. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And I can say that probably I will direct, I will direct my comments also to you through my podcast, and they're not gonna be super kind, I believe. <laughs> There's, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be some anger at some points I especially from so. up there because when, when it's to me directly they're a little bit more reserved in what they're saying but if they're saying it to you they probably let, let loose a bit more <laughs> exactly exactly let's see what's going to happen <laughs> cool Nelson really looking forward to, to start this adventure looking forward to, go, to let everybody know what is going to happen this year, the Silk Road, in the pedal Silk Road Mountain Race Edition 2. Can't, can't really wait to join this adventure this year. And uh, yeah. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Perfect. Cool, man. Then thanks a lot for your time and thanks a lot for the amazing chat. Everybody out there, if uh, you want to send some comments before or to add something or whatever, you know already everything out there because I talked about that. So something like social media where you can follow, emails where you can write and stuff like this. But for now, just uh, be prepared because Silk Road Mountain Race Edition 2 is arriving and it's going to be a blast for sure. Thanks, Nelson. You're welcome. Ciao. Ciao. Thanks a lot, Mr. Trees, for this amazing introduction on the Pedal Silk Road Mountain Race Edition number two. Pretty, pretty complete and solid introduction on it. I think that we are gonna have a lot of fun out there. So everybody out there, something like racers, interested people, um, dot watcher, wannabe dot watcher, or wannabe riders of this Silk Road Mountain Race, maybe in the next years, just be sure to check all the info and to start dreaming because everything will start on the 17th of August 2019. These are the coordinates. Starts, everything will start in Bishkek on August the 17th of 2019. And be ready because the summer, the summer, the party, the after party evening, the finishing party is gonna be on August 31st, the end of the race. In the meanwhile, there's gonna be, so between the 17th and the 31st, there's gonna be all the adventure that can be followed mainly on the social media of the Pedal Silk Road Mountain Race. So mainly, I believe, if I can say that, is on the Instagram. Just be sure to follow the handle Silk Road Mountain Race. Silk Road Mountain Race. And there you will find all the information. Let me check. I actually uh, checking here around, scanning around if I can find the best hashtags that can be over there. Also to follow the other thing from the other uh, users of the Instagram. Yes, I believe that SRMR2019 is a super good hashtag where you can find all the informations and also Silk Road Mountain Race hashtag. It's always a good one. Uh, I'm actually really scrolling here right now on the feed of the Instagram account and something that pops up into my mind is the amazing illustration that talks about the Silk Road Monte Race edition number one that was on last year and uh, this amazing illustration is made by hopefully I'm not gonna make any mistakes with his name Alex Otchin that drew this amazing map of Kyrgyzstan with all the checkpoints, the events and everything that happens out there. Just go, go there. Silk Road Mountain Race is the handle on the Instagram and you can find also this picture over there and please high five to Alex because this illustration is really, really, really amazing. What else I can mention here? So we said that there is something on the Instagram, same thing, look for Silk Road Monterey's on the Facebook, same thing, and be sure to be tuned on the website. Also that one, super easy, silkroadmonterey's.cc. Over there you will find all the information that you will need. 
um, but the, probably the best way to continue be update is subscribe to the newsletter. You go just at the bottom of the homepage of the Silk Road Monterey's.cc and you can just write there your personal email address and every time that an update is out there, you will receive it via email. It's the best way. I don't know, I got a crash in this period into uh, newsletters and, uh, yeah, newsletter and communication via email because they are so complete and it's really something that you want to have. And the one of the Silk Road Monterey's is really one that one of my favorite ones. Yes, I can say that one of my favorite ones. Another thing pretty pretty cool and interesting that you can find just scrolling down on the website of the Silk Road Monterey's or SilkRoadMonterey's.cc is the complete map of the event that you can find that is hosted by Komoot. This one really people is a must to see is must to follow is must to have pretty complete description of what is gonna be the silk road mountain race there are different i would call it stages even if you know the silk road mountain race has no stages but uh different segments even if segments is on strava you know what i mean you know it's broken down into different segments and all of them as a description so there is, for example, the description of the way from Bishkek to the Kergeti Pass and then the all way up to the Kergeti Pass and everything like this with description, pictures and obviously a map out there. So please, um, there are two ways actually that I believe you can follow it. The easiest one is just go to silkroadmountainrace.cc it really on the center of the home page you will find a commute map click on it and then you will arrive to the collection the commute collection where you can really see all the description of the route of the silk road mountain race edition 2 pretty complete and pretty 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 cool I believe that these are all the coordinates that you have to follow at the moment. Uh, yeah, nothing actually pops out on my mind at the moment. Anyways, we are gonna have a lot of episodes for me to uh, correct the bullshit that I've said here and there, or just for me to add new information, or for you to ask questions. Please do it. Please do it. And feel free actually to drop any kind of appreciation on this podcast around, or just to share it with your friends or just to rate it in the different tools that you are using in order to listen to this podcast. Yes, because you can follow, uh, you, sorry, you can follow, you can listen to this podcast all over the internet. Just look for on the Google, the easiest thing, Silk Road Mountain Race um, podcast and you will find it. Otherwise, you're going to find the handle also on the um, website. Otherwise, you're going to find it in Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, wherever. Be only sure that you are following it. And I will try to follow up also with some more information, for example, on what is going to happen with the videos that Nelson promised us to show, to post every every now and then during the race. I will be sure also to put all the information down in the description below. For now, nothing else. I will talk to you next week and be sure to follow all the info of this second edition of the Pedal Silk Road Mountain Race. Bye!